Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Looking to get out of the ads and back to the story? Fable and Folly Plus is a new way to support the creators you love. The podcast you're listening to right now and more than 60 others can be heard ad-free for as little as $4 a month by visiting fableandfolly.com slash plus. And now, Fall of the House of Sunshine is offering episode commentary to Fable and Folly Plus supporters, still entirely ad-free. Fable and Folly Plus. Sign up today at fableandfolly.com slash plus. Stories. We all have them. Some have truckloads, some only a spare hubcap, but hubcaps get junked. But we're that weird magnet thing that goes in the junkyard and gets all the metal and smushes it! Smushes it good into a story. Welcome to Fuzztown Stories. Today's tale, Home on the Strange, Part 2. The occult investigator Gilbert Peach was in Wyoming. He was after a lost piece of the Elder Fuzz, which a group of radical women had stolen. They hoped to use this bit of fuzz to resurrect the famed female gunslinger Susie Shot and bring about a gynocentric radical government. Or something like that. Their motives weren't fully known to Gilbert. He mostly wanted some of the fuzz for himself. Unfortunately, he'd been tricked by one of the women whose body was seemingly transformed into living felt. She had used further magic to conjure up fuzzy bison, which swamped and trampled Gilbert. He wondered if he was dead. He was not, but he would have been better off if he died. Gilbert awoke in a small shack. He was unsure how much time had passed but rays of sunshine poured in through the spaces between the slats of wood. It was hot and stuffy. He pushed his way outside. On the slope of a nearby hill was a small hunting lodge. The green paint was faded and it seemed neglected, except for a floral wreath pinned to the door. Wildflowers, a voice informed him. Sitting on the roof of the shack was one of the fuzzy women. She held a rifle, which she lazily aimed toward Gilbert. She went on to talk about flowers, their meaning, their history, how she used to pick them when she was a girl. Gilbert wasn't really listening, though, as he found most women tended to talk too much about things of trivial importance. One point that Gilbert was interested in was the hirsute appearance of the woman. He asked about this, but the woman just glared at him. She looked off in the distance and simply said, We are becoming what we must become. That was unhelpful overall, but Gilbert figured that the piece of elder fuzz was to blame. It seemed as if this piece of fluff would be a fine find after all. Gilbert mulled the idea of wielding such power. Now this bit of fuzz would stay with him. He would feign defeat and wish Beardy well. That fool... He had had no idea what power he had clumsily held on to all this time. Gilbert wouldn't make the same mistake. 
The fuzz woman climbed down from the roof. She started to head up to the old hunting lodge. Gilbert asked what they wanted from him. The woman smiled. She said a tenderfoot like him would never manage to survive in the mountains alone, so he was free to go and die. This idea did not appeal to Gilbert. He asked to speak to the leader of the group. The fuzz woman let out an annoyed grunt. She didn't like his tone or his demanding. Also, her name was Harpsichord, not that he asked, which was rude. But Harpsichord then went on to say that they had no leader. They were a democracy, each equal, and they made decisions by unanimous vote. If they could not reach consensus, then action would not be taken. This had caused a myriad of delays in their plan to revive the gunslinger Susie shot. There had been seven resolutions, but many had been tabled. And their only copy of Robert's Rules of Order was taken by a prairie dog that seemed friendly, but really was just interested in stealing various items. Also, even using Robert's Rules of Order was contentious, as in the glorious female-led future, books by phallus holders would be considered at best humor or novelty literature, and thus a new book of rules must be created at least according to the more radical members of the group. In fact, they had created a short tome with the working title Roberta's Rules of Order, but that book, too, was taken by the prairie dog. Gilbert said this was dumb, as you cannot create a short tome, as a tome, by definition, is a lengthy book, and therefore a quote-unquote short tome would just be a regular-sized book. That the very use of the term was foolish. Harpsichord sighed. She hated pedantic squareheads. After some more conversation not worth recounting, Gilbert was taken to meet with the whole of the Society of the Star-Spangled Slinger. The lodge was dark. The gloom cut only by the light of a few well-placed lanterns. The heads of deer, goats, and antelope hung on the walls. Sitting in the various pieces of floral print furniture were the members of the Society of Star-Spangled Slinger. All eight of them. That was it? The whole society? <laughs> Gilbert was less than impressed. But this had not always been the case. The society at its peak had numbered 143. There had, since its founding, been several disagreements. Before the unanimous vote policy was ratified, there was a rift and about 20 women broke off and formed the Spangled Star League. They later split into the Daughters of the Spangle and the Star-Crossed Ladies. Eventually, three of them would die in a knife fight in Denver, but that was mostly unrelated. These splinter groups were currently involved in a legal matter in San Francisco, and thus completely uninvolved with the remaining society of the Star-Spangled Slinger. But this was not the end of their membership woes. Later, when it came to grave robbing and the heist of the corpse of Susie Shot, membership dropped further. Also, there was an increase in dues and the fees became untenable to many of the ladies. Furthermore, when the group decided to integrate and allow Jews and blacks, women from seven deep south states quit in protest. Then, of course, these current machinations occurred during state fair season. Many ladies who were on the competitive baking, beauty, and combative arts circuit had to leave to compete. One, Miss Nevada, was well known for her work with bowie knives and banana bread. 
This had dwindled their number to about 15 or so. Then, once the fuzz was stolen from Beardy McMenamin, well, that was a real full sour of a pickle. Emily Harbuckle had stolen the fuzz piece after performing in a rather ribald production of He's Her His, a comic review at the Vanderland Gardens which had the famed crystal walkway, which was just a transparent glass staircase that went over the audience so men could look up the ladies' dresses under the auspices of enjoying the arts. Beardy had been in the audience, and after meeting Emily at the stage door, she was able to separate man from fuzz. Once stolen, the fuzz's dormant power was activated. They didn't realize, but it's well known that the elder fuzz can be awoken by the touch of a female breast. In fact, the elder fuzz was known to have a weakness for breasts, and one of the women, it's unclear who, must have nuzzled the bit of fuzz to her bosom. And once activated, the fuzz bit released its power by enveloping the whole coterie in its tendrils. Those members who were naturally fuzz-sensitive were transformed into the puppet kind. The rest died instantly. This left the eight women who were sitting in the lounge, furry and angry, ready to take the world back from the men who had subjugated them. Gilbert was uninterested in the women, but was interested in the bit of elder fuzz that currently sat on the table in a small tin box. The box was labeled, Elder Fuzz, Do Not Open. The O's were hearts. He tried not to stare at it as the women debated what to do with this interloper. Gilbert interrupted them by throwing up his hands and declaring that he was a powerful man with powerful abilities. And he sensed that the darkness of this lodge contained a malignant energy and that he had already bound himself with cleansing words of protection. In fact, there was salt in his shoes and half a mandrake in his pocket. And then he dared the women, who he called harangue and witches, to do their worst. The women then all drew various firearms, of all shapes and caliber. Gilbert said, well, perhaps they should all instead do their least worst. He put up his hands, and then started talking about the sisterhood, and, and being a helpmate, and perhaps bygones could be bygones. But bygones were not to be. It's unclear how the fire started, but it consumed the lodge quickly. The lanterns were shoddy and old. Perhaps one of the guns misfired, and a rogue spark lit up the place. Or, it's even possible, Gilbert used some of his flash paper to create a fireball to distract, and it went awry. In any event, the fire moved quickly, and it burned the place down. The women, being fuzzy, were quick to panic as their flammability was well known. Gilbert used the panic and growing conflagration to make his move and he grabbed the elder fuzz box. He managed to jump out a window as he watched the fire burn. He waited and listened to the screams of the puppet women inside. He smiled. The box contained the power he needed. He would use it to better himself. There was no telling what he could accomplish. Power, wealth, fame. Gilbert imagined a whole new wonderful life stretching before him. He was already picking out tapestries for the wall of his mansion in Egg Harbor when he noticed the blood pouring from his chest. He'd been shot. His mouth filled with blood and he murmured something unintelligible as he fell dead to the ground. 
A moment passed, and then a young woman with a face full of freckles hopped down from a small hill, her rifle now strapped to her back. She ran a hand through her mess of curly red hair before carefully kneeling down and grabbing the elder fuzz box. She walked toward the fire as she opened it. She tossed it into the flames and watched as it burned. Once it was nothing but ash, she said a prayer to the earth tooth. Her current job was complete. The tooth dumb was safe once more, but there was still plaque and cruelty. Her mission was never done. Sent in secret by the Enamel Council to fight for Molar and Bicuspid, she was the gum plan. The root below the tooth. She was the alveolar. Fuzztown Stories is a Roy Gold production. It was written by Jonathan Goldberg with music by David Riglieri. Today's episode was read by Nathaniel Kent. Follow us on Twitter at The Pod Musical to see behind the scenes as we record season three. Follow your heart to see where he's been going at night. I know you hired that private eye, but what if they're in on it together? As always, thanks for listening and have a suntabulous bicuspid of a day. Can't get enough fall the House of Sunshine? Then join me, Numola historian Lyman Keys, in the Himalaya Plus section, where you'll get commentaries, special exclusive episodes where I answer your questions about Numola and beyond, as well as a community to chat with fellow Sunshine fans. Join Himalaya Plus and speak with the creators about the show and get exclusive updates and access. I'll see you in Himalaya Plus, Lyman Keys. Lime at you in Himalaya Plus. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.